In this episode, I continue with part two of my interview with Bob Lay, who is the blogger behind the popular website Talkhand.com. Bob and his wife started building a dividend portfolio in 2011. Today, their portfolio generates over $43,000 in dividends each year. And they did this on a single income with two kids while living in one of the most expensive cities in the world, Vancouver. Hi, my name is Kanwal Sarai, and welcome to the Simply Investing Dividend Podcast. Let's continue with part two of my wide-ranging interview with Bob. Now, uh, so Bob, if you look at today's uh, economic climate now, uh, Bank of Canada recently increased the rates again. The mm-hmm. uh, And in the U.S., same thing with the Federal Reserve. Last year, we saw a number of increases. Um, inflation still high. I believe the last numbers to come out were still a little over 6%. Everybody, everywhere you read, they're calling for, you know, either we're in a recession right now or we're going to be in a recession this year. Does any of that stuff scare you? Are you changing the way you invest this year? No, no, I'm not. I mean, if you, if you think back in, uh, 2020, when, uh, you know, February, 2020, you know, the market was start going down. People were freaking out because of COVID. I mean, who knew that that dip was so short lived, right? Cause the, the bottom of that dip was probably in late March, 2020. Yeah, March right? 2020. And then it, yep. it went up like, just, like yeah. crazy, right? So if you like looking back, like we, we were buying on the way down. And at one point, our, our portfolio was down 250,000. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a quarter million. That's, that's not a small amount of money. Uh, yeah. But we were, we were buying on the way down. And obviously, I mean, we, we didn't buy probably, I think, I think the bottom of that dip was, I think March 22nd, if I'm not correct, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but we didn't buy on that day, but we, we kind of bought on the left and right of it. And we, I think we, we did pretty well relatively. Right. So again, back to my, what I talked earlier is when we have money, we try to invest regardless of what the market is like. And that's kind of my view with this interest, high interest rates, high inflation, you know, Potentially a recession, whether we are in it already or, or we're going to go into it. My thought was we'll just continue executing our, our strategy and, you know, keep going at it and eventually you'll, you'll come out. I mean, if the reset, if there does, if there is a recession and the market tanks, that's if you're, if you're accumulating, it's actually really, really good because you're buying stuff at a discount, right? So. I'm totally fine. You know, if, if there's a fire sale, just like 2020 or even, you know, like uh, the, during the financial crisis, I, I'm all for it, right? As long as you have the cash that allows you to, to, to buy quite a few things at a discount. Now, if you're, if you're already retired or you're close to retirement, um, you might not like that because obviously your portfolio will drop quite significantly. But if you're, you're, if you're relying on dividend income, as long as that dividend income doesn't decrease, you know, that, that's fine, right? That, that's kind of the beauty of, of dividend investing is if you're relying on the dividend income and, and the, if the dividend income continues to grow, it doesn't matter what your portfolio value is. Now, a little bit of explanation there, right? Some, some dividend 
investors say, okay, I don't really care what my portfolio value is. Um, as long as my dividend income is safe and growing, that's fine. Say I get 50,000 a year. Doesn't matter if my portfolio is down 50, 70%. I don't completely agree with that. Um, my sense, my logic lies where I want my dividend income to grow, but at the same time, I want my principal to grow as well. Because if my principal is growing, and if my dividend income is not enough, at least that gives me the option to sell some principal to supplement the dividend income, right? Um, so it, that that's kind of my logic. So I, I think total return does matter, even though you're investing in dividend income, um, dividend stocks. Right? I like that. That's a good way to look at it, right? Because then it gives you options, right? And like exactly. you said, if your dividend income isn't enough, but the stock prices have gone up, you can certainly sell some of the shares and there's your income, right? You've added to it now. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's a good approach. So the beginning of the question was, you know, things seem bad, <laughs> market re recession, interest rates are too high. And I said, are you changing the way you invest? And your immediate answer, which I love, was no. We're going to keep investing the way we've been doing it. However, I'm going to play sort of devil's advocate here. Sure. Um, you, you know, in 2020, February and March, market tanked. And you mentioned, you know, your portfolio was down quarter of a million dollars. And for most people, I mean, I get emails from people that panic when they buy a stock for $40 and it goes down to 30 and they just panic. They just want to sell it and they can't sleep at night. Where does your confidence come from? Is it you? Is it your wife? Is it both of you? Where does your confidence come from to say, you know what, all this bad news stuff is happening around us but we are going to stick to our approach. Um, I think that just, I guess we, um, um, yeah, I, I think just, just being more confident with, with what we're doing. We, we've been investing for, for over a decade now. Um, so we were comfortable with, with our invest investment decisions and such. But really, it's it's about before you even pull the buy trigger, you really there there are three key things that you have to ask yourself, right? Three key questions. I I I've written I wrote about this on my blog. It's actually in fact one of the earlier blog posts I've written. So these three questions are first, what is the upside of the of this investment opportunity? Two is what is the downside of this in, investment opportunity? And three, I think the most important question is, can I live with the downside, right? Mm. So so when people yeah. invest money, unfortunately, a lot of time people only think about the upside. It's like, oh, I'm, I'm investing in Tesla today and it's going to go four times. Or if I invest in, in Google or Amazon or Apple or, you know, Royal Bank, it, in, in 10 years, it's going to, I'm going to double my money or triple my money. Like people think about, that, that potential growth. But a lot of people don't think about the downside, right? It's like, okay, it's, I mean, investing, sure, over the long term, I think the average growth is maybe eight to 9% a year. Yep. Right. But it doesn't mean that's going to grow every year. There, there could be, you know, one year could be up 20%, one year could be down 10%, right? So it, it's, it's up and down, but over time it's kind of going up, right? And unfortunately, people don't, look at the downside. It's like, 
can you live with the stock down 20% or, or 30% one year, right? People focus too much on the, on the upside. Now, what I say is, can I, that, that third question, can I live with the downside? I think that's the most important question is that, are you okay when you're, when your investment is down 50%? Are you going to lose sleep over it? Can you, can you, do you, do you have the itch to, to sell because you can't take that, that, that loss, that paper loss? Now, my, my suggestion is you should really invest with money you don't need in the next, at a minimum three years, longer the better, right? Because if you invest with money that you need in the short term, you're, you will end up being forced to sell at a time that you don't want to sell. So for example, if you, if you invest, say, say you want to buy a house, right? And then you're investing with your, your down payment. Say, call it, say, say you want, yeah. So, so you, you're investing with down payment and, and you, you, you think you're going to buy a house in, in the next year or two, right? And, and when you've actually found a house and you, you want to buy, say the market tanks by, you know, 20, 30%, say, say during COVID, right? February, 2020. Yeah. And you, you found like the, your, your dream home, but all of a sudden your, your investment is tanked 20, 30, 40%, but you need money. So you end up having to, to sell. That is absolutely terrible. Right. And that's why I say invest with your money with with the money that you don't need in at least the next three years, longer the better, right? And that's why we invest with our retirement, you know, in mind, right? That, that that's kind of the idea because you you don't need to use that money until you retire. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's really about asking yourself about the downside and and you know, can you live with it, right? Can you still sleep at night? Because some people. Um, can't sleep at night when when a share price goes from forty to thirty dollars, right? Um, so it's, it's again, it's, it's even though investing is in theory, it's very easy on paper. It there's so much in here, right? It's how your mind reacts, and that's why when when you see some people, you know, invest with the with paper money, you could do that on on quite a few online platforms. I'm sorry, that's not the same as when you start investing with your harder money, right? It It's just complete different psychology, right? And that's why I say when you read, read these like investing um, blogs or, or YouTube and stuff like that, do these people actually have their money invested? That that's that's kind of the one number one thing I, I look when I when I discover a new blog or a new new podcast or a YouTube channel is like, well, are they are they doing what they're talking about? Because that's very different, right? Yeah, that is so important, right? And it, uh, I like what you said about the difference between investing sort of practice on apps with artificial money versus investing with your own hard-earned money. It's two different things. And the temperament, yeah, absolutely. If you can't sleep at night, at all <laughs> and it's affecting your life then maybe this approach is not for you but because this approach requires you to be patient like you said long term right mm -hmm. you never want to be stuck 
selling when the market is down 20, 30%. That's the worst time to sell. Uh, so temperament is key. When do you think someone should start investing in what we're talking about, dividend investing? Should they wait till they're in their 30s, 40s, and 50s? When should someone start investing? Um, investing, well, I think the 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 key phrase, I mean, the best time to invest in was yesterday. The second <laughs> best time is today, right? So start, yeah. start today. Now, um, I'm not your true, call it true dividend investing because we, we invest in index ETFs as well. Mm -hmm. um, the reason for that is because when you invest, the way I see it is that when you invest in dividend stocks, you can only select a few, right? Call it, I mean, 20, 30 or so. I mean, we, we do own 49 individual dividend stocks today, and I would be the first one to admit that that's a little bit too many. I think the ideal number would be around 30. Mm -hmm. um, but even even with 30, you can it, it's not very diversified, right? It's, it's even even sector wise, it's not very diversified. Now, especially now, if you start looking into international, it, it's very hard, like the, the diversification is not there. Therefore, that's why we we invest in index ETF. Um, so we own an X Canada International ETF to diversify our portfolio, both um, from an asset point of view, also geographically, right? Mm -hmm. So um, that that's my my set, my take. Now, if you're starting today, um, you know when when I started, we I didn't really know what I was doing. So I like I said, I bought into ING and and uh, manual life with my money and you know looking back that was probably a mistake and and it was it, i was fortunate i didn't sell at during the financial crisis and and kind of locked out over the years um but if you were to start if i were to start today um i would i would definitely take a different approach right so if i were to start today I'm in my 20s or even 30s or 40s, whatever. If I am not investing already today, and if I were to start out, I would I would look into invest in an index ETF first, allow you to get that diversification right away. And many many of the uh, brokerages allow for uh, commission free ETF purchase, right? So I could build on my portfolio without paying any fees. I would build build that ETF up. You know, call it, I don't know, 20K, 50K or whatever, like a sizable amount first. Once I have a sizable amount, then I would start, if I want to invest in dividend stock, I would then start nibble on those, maybe like pick five dividend stocks or 10 dividend stocks. Because I, I think having that diversification at the beginning is very, very important. Because if you just start off like I did and bought like, you know, one dividend stocks, one dividend stock, um, you may your portfolio may, may go down quite significantly, right? Because you don't have like that diversification. So that that's my thought. But to answer your question, Ken, well, the the best time to invest is today. Like start today. If you're not investing, do it because it takes years and years to build out your portfolio, and and you really don't see that that fruit of your labor until you know at least a decade in into your your investing. Yeah, absolutely. It takes time, right? It takes decades and decades. And so what I tell people is start as earlier as possible, <laughs> as soon as you can start. Uh, I had both of my kids started when they were nine years old. 
So they each have their own dividend portfolio uh, when they uh, started at that age, right? Now they're much older now and they've been investing for, for many, many years. Uh, so yeah, that's a, that's a good approach. Okay. I, I feel like we could talk about this for hours and hours <laughs> uh, about dividend investing. It's, it's my favorite topic. It's my passion. And uh, I just love getting information from your guests like yourself and uh, inspiring everyone. So I have one more question and then we're gonna, we'll wrap it up. I do want to respect your time. So uh, the question here is conventional wisdom states and I'm going to put that in air quotes. Conventional wisdom says that the older you get, you need to start getting out of equities, start selling your stocks or even index funds, and start putting money into GICs, term deposits, and bonds. Do you agree with that or not? Yeah. Yes and no. So we are fully invested in in equities. So. I would say maybe 99% of our, our portfolio is in, in stocks. Um, maybe less than 1% is, is in bonds just because through my works RSP, we have to buy, you know, low fee mutual funds and one of the funds is, is, is bond because they, they allocated that percentage for us. So, um, I, I think going back to my, um, earlier what I said, um, the beauty of dividend investing is assuming your dividend income is stable and it doesn't get cut, like the companies don't cut their dividends, it should pre should be pretty stable and it should grow over the years, right? Um, despite whether whether the interest rate is high or low. Um, so with that in mind, in theory, you shouldn't need to buy bonds, right? Because the the whole idea of bonds is to protect your the the in theory bonds have an inverse relationship to stocks, right? So when stocks go higher, the bond kind of return not as well, and then um, when stocks go down, bonds should be the price of bonds should go higher. So it's kind of a relation re, inverse relationship in theory. Does it always work that way? No, not hundred percent of the time. Um, if you're investing in in index funds and you're planning to do a four percent withdrawal, um, like withdrawals every year, um, yeah, maybe in some sense it makes sense to have some bonds and GICs. Um, again, we're, we're talking about very very theories and mathematical analysis and, you know, um, probability and stuff. Um, for, for us, I, for us, because we're investing in dividend stocks and getting, um, stable dividend income, uh, we probably will be staying with, with, um, pretty high percentages of stocks. Regardless of what we're doing, right? Whether whether we're closer to retirement or when we're we're older, um, and with bonds, like like even with the interest rates going up now, I would still argue bonds are not really not great, right? I mean, when when that the whole you know eighty twenty sixty sixty forty study that was like years and years ago in the 70s and 80s when interest rate was in like 10 10% and higher right yeah. so when back then bonds could yield you know 10 
10, 15%. I mean, the, the inflation rate was pretty high back then as well. But with the interest rate being low, I mean, even, even with the, the rates raised several times now, we're still at about, you know, 3.5, less than 5% interest rates, right? So bonds really don't yield that high in comparison to, to dividend stocks. So, you know, I, I would, I would caution to follow that, that traditional idea of 60, 40, like 40, like percentage hope, the same percentage bond as your age. I think that, that, that rule needs to be adjusted a little bit. Um, but uh, again, going, going to that question, should you hold more bonds as you age? Again, that, that just depends on who you are as an investor, right? Like if you, if you sleep, uh, better at night knowing you have, you hold some bonds or GICs, do it. Cause end of the day, you, you don't want to be losing sleep over your, your investment. Now, if you do that way, make sure you keep that rules like 80, 20 rebalancing. Cause the danger here, and I've seen that is that you start rebalancing and then you start selling and going out of whack, right? For example, I, I, I know a few people that was doing 60, 40, uh, so 60 first, 60% stocks, 40% bonds. They, during, during February 2020, they started selling their bonds to, to sort of rebalance on the stock portion, which is fine, perfectly fine, right? So 60, 40. But what happened was when the stock market started going down and down and down and down, they started selling their stocks as well. In fact, oh, no. they yeah. got out completely. They were sitting on cash. Mm. So a few um, got out basically end of March 2020 on 100% cash. Mm. And they didn't bite back until like late 2020. So they missed that run up yeah. completely. So, so they basically sold at the low point of the market and then didn't bite back in until maybe like no, six, six, seven, eight, nine months later, right? So that's very unfortunate. So again, it 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 comes down to your 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 who you are as an investor. If you're comfortable holding hundred percent equities, even older as you get older, if you're comfortable with it, fine. If you're if you're okay with the the volatility, potential volatility, um, you know, it's kind of up to you, right? Now there, there are studies showing that if you hold, you kind of lose that return if you hold higher percentage of bonds over the, over time. Um, but again, it comes down to math and psychological, um, matters. This again, how you sleep and who you are as an investor. So it's, it's, it's a very difficult answer <laughs> to, it, it's not a one answer fits all type of question, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, absolutely. There's so many variables, right? And you've touched on all of them, right? A temperament, investor temperament is a big one. Um, if you've invested in mutual funds your entire life or GICs your entire life, and now you're in your 60s and 70s, maybe it makes sense to keep some bonds because there's going to yeah. be too much volatility. And you've paid those MERs for your entire life, which is which is a huge hit. We didn't talk about MERs, but we'll save that for another future episode uh, in terms of costs. Um, but I'm inspired by the reader B, right? Like his story and him and his wife. Um, mm. I don't think they're, I don't, let me know if I'm wrong. I don't think they're going to be selling their entire stock holdings and putting everything in bonds. 
now that no. they're retired. So they're not doing that. So I'm inspired by their story and saying, okay, they've done well. They continue to do well. And I've been a dividend investor for over 23 years. And my income has gone up every single year, right? The portfolio size goes up and down, especially yeah. in March of 2020. It went down. Uh, but the dividend income has gone up every single year. And that allows me to sleep better at night. <laughs> exactly. So uh, where, uh, Bob, where can people find you? Are you on Twitter or Facebook or your website, blog? Where's the best place to find you? Yeah, so the best place to find me is probably on my blog. So that's T-A-W-C-A-N.com. Uh, Talcan, that's basically short for Taiwanese Canadian is a word I came up with. Um, so you could, you could read about my articles on there. And then I'm pretty active on Twitter. So it's at, at Talcan. Again, T-A-W-C-A-N. Um, yeah, or if you want to send me an email, um, feel free to do that. I get a lot of reader emails and it's always fun to, to, uh, to communicate with readers and, and you know, like, like reader B, right? Like <laughs> that, that turned out to be a, a phenomenal, um, exchange, um, mm -hmm. via email and, and, uh, we we were able to to share quite a bit of uh, exchange quite a bit of knowledge. It was it was awesome, right? Yeah, that's incredible. It's uh, it's incredible how many people you meet uh, in person or even online. Uh, once yeah. you know you've got a blog set up and everything, that's great. Uh, I want to let everybody know. Go check out Bob's uh, uh, site. Uh, we're going to put a link in our description below. Incredible! Like your blog articles are amazing. Uh, you've got a lot of detail in there. They're inspiring. I hope they motivate a lot of other people to start looking at this approach uh, to investing and, and kind of rethink conventional wisdom from what they've learned or didn't learn in school about investing. And so it's a great resource. So I want everybody to go check out uh, Bob's uh, site. Uh, Bob, I want to thank you so much. I'm honored for uh, you taking the time today to share your knowledge, your experience, and answering all of our questions. So thank you for uh, being on our podcast today. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me on. It's It's been a pleasure talking to you.